Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm in Manchester and I'm joined by Andy in Oakland this week. And hopefully at some point we're going to be joined by Matt in London. He's just having a couple of technical issues. Um, so Andy, coming to you first, what was your football moment of Game Week 11? Um, it was another atrocious week for VAR. Um, I watched both the Watford-Chelsea game and the Everton-Spurs game. And uh, in Watford-Chelsea, Dale Lefebvre got a... It didn't affect the outcome of the game, luckily, but Dale Lefebvre got a very sketchy penalty where he obviously dived, um, although there was a, a tiny amount of contact beforehand. Um, would never have been given if there wasn't VAR. And then um, in the Everton-Spurs game, there was an almost identical incident where Human Son was tripped um, and then dived, and it wasn't given. Then Dele Alli clearly handballed it above his head, and VAR didn't give it. Um, and then, in a really, really awful incident, um, Andre Gomez got a, a, a bad ankle break. Um, but it wasn't. It definitely wasn't a red card, from what I could see from Hummin Song. Because the reason it's, it was so bad is that it was a yellow card, no doubt about it. Um, but then uh, Gomez sort of fell into Serge Aurier and, and twisted his ankle as he fell. It wasn't the the tackle that injured him. Obviously, the referee saw the injury and immediately gave him a red. But VAR really should have overturned that and given him a yellow instead. Um, which obviously, for all FPL players who have Hummin Song in their team, was a very important moment. Um, so, yeah, really, really bad weekend for VAR. And it seems to just be going from bad to worse as the the uh, the bar for overturning decisions, the, the rationale with which they sort of decide what is right and wrong just seems to be completely arbitrary behind the scenes. And nobody really seems to know what's going on, including the referees. It just do dominates all of the all the conversations after the games, doesn't it? For pretty much every game. And it seems to be this thing at the moment where... They slow it down in slow motion. They show replay after replay. And like you say with the Delufeu thing, yes, technically, if you slow it down, you can see that there is contact. But there's, there is difference between contact and a foul, isn't there? Yeah. And the other thing is that what, what, what it's sort of shown up a few times really clearly is that you can be fouled and then dive. And um, if you're going to give yellow cards for simulation, you should give them even when you are fouled, could continue and then simulate. Because with VAR, you shouldn't need to simulate anymore. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that you know it could open the door to better decision making, but it seems to just be uh, like every every type of decision that it's being used on. There's just been some kind of problem with the implementation that means that it's not really helping the game in any way. Even with offside, which is a really like clear cut, shouldn't really be difficult to implement it. The um, the the way it's been used to kind of judge somebody's like big toe or one of their hair follicles being offside like it it's not helping the game at all is it so um, while i'm a big fan of the concept I'm not a fan of the implementation at all yeah i totally agree with the offside thing it should they should be saying like they used to do you know give them the benefit of the doubt to the attacker because you want to you want to see goals and you don't want to see it rolled off because you know there is possibly a centimeter in there or something like that it's ridiculous um for my football moment of the week, um, it's Sheffield United. Um, they, yeah, it's the fact that they were playing Burnley and, you know, Burnley are this tough Brit British side that, um, you know, they're, they're hard, they're mean, they play hard, um, they defend hard. And I just love the fact that Sheffield United have come to the Premier League. They brought all of that Burnley kind of, 
style, but then they've added uh, attacking football, interesting formations, um, and yeah, and centre backs who can play with the ball and put in crosses and, and attack. And it's just it's an amazing combination. It's like seeing seeing Burnley 1.0 and then Sheffield United Burnley 2.0. Um, Chris Wilder doing amazing things. Yeah, Burnley are, are very interesting because they came into the Premier League as a really solid defensive side, which seemed to fall apart in the early part of last season, at which point they morphed into like an attack, quite an attacking side. They normally score Burnley and they often concede too. They don't get a lot of clean sheets re- like since the middle of last season. Um, but they're using the same attributes that they used to defend really well previously to be a more attacking side. So it's still just like strength and thought. Anger in Barnes. <laughs> you know, it's not like flowing attacking moves. It's just like burly attacking play. It's great. I think we've been joined by Matt. Matt, how you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Yeah, just a, a little childcare emergency, but I'm I'm pleased to be able to join you guys. Yeah, I'm glad you could make it. And um, what was your football moment of game week eleven? Um, well, I'm going to slightly cheat and to choose two two moments, but joined by uh, the fact that they're sort of my my FPL players. Um, so the sort of um, FPL classic players uh, that everyone has and everyone loves over the years, and then there's those personal picks that you have that have done well for you and your FPL team in the past, or or that you you've picked and hasn't worked, but you always sort of have a special place in your heart for. And um, two of them featured in last minute goal. Uh, almost goals or goals. So uh, Foster for Watford uh, almost got a late equaliser, classic uh, goalkeeper sort of coming up at the last play of the game and almost headed it in only for Kepa to, to coolly spoil that, that magic moment. And then uh, my, my man Chenk Tosin, who uh, listeners from last year will, uh, will remember that Andy and I had a big rivalry between who was the, the, the best sort of uh, striker, uh, best FBL asset between... Cenk Tosin and, and was it Calvert-Lewin you had or no it wasn't it was Umar Nias who uh, doesn't even play the Premier League these days uh, but he's come on and just scored an injury time equaliser uh, in the Everton Spurs game so that was a uh, good to see that name I hadn't heard him recently so it's good to see him back in business it's a very odd game that wasn't it very very unusual um the the other the other, Ben Foster was very nearly my football highlight as well actually so we almost crossed over there because um, he made two incredible saves in that game. Uh, one from Mason Mount and the other one, I can't remember who it was now, but it was a, a sort of a head that looped over him and he just got his fingertips to it and put it onto the post and finished the game not only with those two incredible saves, but also as the joint high, joint most productive attacking player because there were only two shots on target from Watford in the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, eight eight saves for Foster in that game. Um, he was getting his goal peppered, and Chelsea definitely deserved to win. Um, but just right at the end, there was a chance for equal for an equaliser, uh, and yeah, coolly denied. Yeah. Um, what about FBL moments of the week, Andy? What was your FBL moment? Um, well, I'm. Uh, I think that the sort of the negative FPL moment in my team is probably going to be covered by Matt. And so I'm going to go with a positive one, which is uh, um, the the Brighton defence. I've uh, I've had I've doubled up on Brighton defence for all season so far with Ryan and Dunk, um, 
and they've really done quite well for me this week. They obviously got a clean sheet, so I got a and Dunk got a, Dunk seems to be a bit of a, bit of a, a bonus point machine as well as being a, a clean sheet artist this week this this, this season. So um, yeah, I got uh, thirteen solid points out of those two, which really rescued my week. Yeah, and still pretty pretty lowly priced at four point six, Dunk. A nice option before because that's surely going to rise, isn't it? Like you say, he likes the bonus points, picks up the odd assist here. Um, a nice pick. How about you, Matt? What was your FPL moment? Um, well, there can only be one man, the FPL god, that is uh, John Lundstrom, getting uh, 21 points. Uh, I think Andy's deliberately avoided speaking about him because uh, he sat as, on his bench uh, rather tragically for, for Andy. Um, First sub. <laughs> if just somebody had not played. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine that's been quite an agonising weekend for you, Andy. You know, if if I'd had him, if if Hudson Odoi had not come on for the last like seven minutes of the Chelsea game, um, I'd be on eight with uh, with bonus points still to come for C and Chu and Vardy. I'd be above eighty points for this week, but alas, I'm languishing down on. It's going to be probably sixty. Yeah, very disappointing. Um, by contrast, I've because uh, we're quite close uh, in the league against each other. So uh, by contrast, I've had some fortune with uh, my what my wildcard pick Pepe has uh, has not exactly come off, but he's he's really helped me out this week by not playing a single minute and therefore allowing <laughs> Sionchu to come on. Um, I was contemplating subbing it, uh, subbing Pepe out this week because I just thought that, that was a mistake, it didn't really work. Um, but I thought no, no, I'll save the transfer so I can have two this week, and and thank God I did because I. Probably would have bent Sionchu and uh, not seen his his points otherwise. Yeah, that's that's kind of leading on perfectly to my FPL moment of the week, which is basically yeah the value FPL defender picks in the template coming in with the massive goaling goal hauls. So yeah, John Lundstrom with two and Sionchu with a goal. He's actually got some goal threat. He's not just there for the six pointers. What a legend! Yeah. If I if I had even more faith, I'd Rico at my second sub getting a clean sheet um, against Man U. So, what was I thinking playing Mason Mount? Hey, yeah, I've I have twenty eight points on my bench this week. So I have Rico as well on my bench. I just... Wow, <laughs> who, who did you go with instead of those guys, Andy? Um, Hudson and Doy, and one pointer. Ouch! For a one pointer, yeah, and I mean, I had Sterling, De Bruyne, Martial, Mount, but I don't think I would have dropped any of those to get Rico in. I think if I was going to drop somebody for Rico, it probably would have been Lewis Duncan. He got seven, so I suppose I can't really complain about that one. It's Lundstrom that's the uh, the killer. Yeah, John Lundstrom, the legend that is. Um, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll we'll take a look at game week uh, 12's upcoming fixtures. Well, United were scarcely recognisable from the team we've known over the last couple of seasons. What's going on, do you feel? I think they've, they've got problems. I wouldn't say they've got major problems. Obviously, three players have departed. The trick is always buy when you're strong. So he needs to buy players. You can't win anything with kids. You look at that line at Manchester United today and Aston Villa at quarter past two when they get the team sheet. It's just going to give them a lift and it'll happen every time he plays the kids. He's got to buy players, as simple as that. But they have, as he point, Alex Ferguson pointed out, they have got star names to come in. They've got Cole and Giggs. Uh, Cantona, Cantona and, course. and, and Bruce. Steve Bruce, still not enough. The trick of winning the championship is having strength and depth. They just haven't got it. Okay, Matt, what do you reckon to Norwich versus Watford? Tantalising fixture, this one. I, mean, I guess it's tantalising. It's, it's not mid-table mediocre. It's uh, bottom of the table. Both teams really struggling this season. And 
and on course for relegation at the moment. And so I suspect as a result, both teams will be absolutely desperate to get something out of the game because they're, they're now rivals and fighting it down, out, down there, which I think might make the game quite boring because I think both teams will be definitely massively keen not to lose. Um, and so I, I think there's a possibility of a nil-nil, even though both sides are quite bad at defending. Um, this season, just because I think they'll put they'll put safety first um, above all. Um, so if people have still got Pookie and Cantwell, um, as enticing as this fixture is, I still I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another one where they they end up blanking in. And if you have any Watford assets, then um, I'm not sure what you're playing at because they've been awful this year. They have been awful, I agree, but they've they've definitely tightened up defensively recently, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, I mean, so the new manager's come in and he's, he's sort of renowned as quite a defensive manager. So I think he's been getting back to basics and that, that will improve their defence. And they've got a bit of a run now of games where they, they, they should be able to get some points. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't say any of them are proven assets just yet. I know Jan Mack got a good score the other week, but um, I would say it's a, it, you'd be more the punty end to put Watford players in right now. I kind of feel like with Watford, the, the chickens are kind of coming home to roost with them because <clears throat> they've run out of managers and players who want to play at a club that has so much turnover and they haven't really been able to bring in the quality. Um, their defence has aged badly. Um, and yeah, it just, they just don't look like a very good team this year. I think Sanchez Flores is actually a very good manager. They've done well to get him in. Um, but he's a returning manager and, you know, coming, returning managers don't tend to fare as well the second time round. Um, and, yeah, they, they look awful, don't they? Yeah, it's surprising. I think the um, the core of their team is still OK. So they might it, it might go on a bit of a run, I reckon, with Delafelle, Decore and and, um, and Co. But maybe just some of their assets are slightly over the hill now. Deeney and... Uh, Cathcart and sort of the, those ones that were very slightly underrated um, that, that kept them sort of in the mid, mid to top, uh, top half of the table. And so it's all fallen apart because they didn't really sign many like, star names over the summer, did they? There wasn't really a big recruitment. I guess they, they brought in, um, oh, what's his name, from uh, Wren, uh, the winger, who just hasn't featured at all for them. Yeah, um, they spent, spent big on him, but he, yeah. It seems like quite a gamble that they obviously don't think's come off. Ismail Assar. But yeah, it's just not playing, is he? Yeah. Um, what do you reckon to Cantwell? So he's he's been um, off form quite seriously recently and now he's having his minutes cut to almost nothing. Um, yeah, do you think it's a problem that people need to fix or do you think, you know, he's second on your bench, he brings you one point every now and then, it's not something to worry about? I think it depends on the structure of your FPL squad. So if he's your, your fourth mid, then I think you need to be selling as quickly as possible because he's no longer playing. He's been on a really bad run of form and that's the sort of position where you want to be playing him. However, if he is like the fifth mid and your structure of your team means that you don't ever have to play him and, and worry about it, especially if so many budget defenders doing well, then the only thing you've got to worry about is his price price starting to drop. Um, but... Yeah, he still he can still be that bench fodder at his price point. Um, so I think it depends on the, the structure of your squads quite a lot. My um, my Norwich City supporting colleague refers to Todd Cantwell as the Deerham Deco, which I think is quite fun. I, I don't get that one. The what? 
the Deerham Deco. Like Deerham is a place presumably near Norwich, and Deco, you know Deco, the very famous Barcelona player. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is niche. <laughs> that is very niche, right? Very niche. That's... Apparently, his nickname. That's a high-level knowledge of football and the local area of Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Silly me for not getting that one straight off the bat. Um, next up, it's uh, Chelsea versus Palace, and this is one for me. This is the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, we should say that that Norwich game is a Friday night, so make sure that you make your transfers if you're going to make them this week before that, that Friday night kickoff. Um, Chelsea Palace, this is quite an outstanding fixture this game week because captaincy, I think, is going to be a real issue for people with Man City playing Liverpool, um, the big teams not really getting nice uh, plum home fixtures apart from potentially this one. This looks like the best of, of what's out there. So this is definitely a big consideration for captaincy. Um, the one kind of uh, wrinkle is that uh, Crystal Palace are obviously quite resolute defensively, um, or at least they were towards the start of the season. Uh, they've slightly gone off the ball uh, a bit defensively, but um, they're definitely, definitely tough to beat. And you saw that against Leicester this week. We kept things quite tight. Um, until quite late on when Jamie Vardy, um, who hadn't had a sniff all game, uh, got a chance and took it. Um, but yeah, not a team that I expect to, to get hammered 4 or 5 nil or anything like that. But I think Tammy Abraham clearly has now found his scoring touch again. Um, he's got his goal and his assist. So he's kind of back in form. Um, and he's an outstanding captaincy pick this week. He's one of them for sure. Um, Mason Mount, although he only got one point this week, I thought he looked really dangerous in the highlights, had a lot of attempts on goal, very involved. And as we've seen, there's a lot of rotation in that left forward role between Pulisic and um, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Callum Hudson-Odoi now was the flavour of the month. Now he's get one pointers and, and blocking people on the, first on the bench like Landstrom, which is going to annoy a lot of people. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing, Andy, you, you brought in Cam Hudson-Odoi. Have you got rid of him already? I have, yeah. I had a um, Once I saw Pulisic coming for him last week, I made a, a long-term, like, two-week plan to get Pulisic in by uh, by saving money, Martial for Mane this week, and then Pulisic in for Hudson-Odoi is my next transfer. Wow. I mean, talk about... Talk about not learning your lesson. You instead of going for the guy who's being rotated in that position, you're going for his replacement. Correct. Is that gonna, <laughs> what, what happens when he gets dropped for Callum Hudson Adoy? I don't think he will. And I also, I think if anyone's going to get dropped, get dropped for him, it's going to be Willian rather than Pulisic because uh, he's coming off the back of four goals in two games. Um, the thing with Pulisic and the reason I sort of immediately wanted him is he loves to shoot. Like every time he gets the ball, he either shoots or he gives it to somebody and then runs towards the goal for a one-two. He only has two things that he does, and they all ended, both of them ended him shooting. So um, I think he's going to be a, a wildly successful FPL asset should he continue to play, and I don't see why he, why he wouldn't, given the form he's on. And he's, he's definitely a great differential at the moment, isn't he? Good fixtures, nice yep. differential, and yeah, not a bad price. Um, the other player that I want to mention this week, because it's something annoying very personally to me, I brought in Alonso as a bit of a, a punt uh, a few weeks ago. He got me a clean sheet quite luckily, I would say, because he was subbed off before 
Um, they conceded two against Burnley. But now he's just been dropped out of the team completely, replaced by Emerson, who was the first choice before his injury. And I'm worried that that's kind of the end of the road for Alonso, which I think is pretty harsh considering his attacking contributions. And defensively, they did look quite solid in the, his run in the team. Um, probably not a massive amount due to Alonso, but you know he didn't affect them defensively, I don't think. So that's a bit annoying. But um, yeah, he surgery was, there. Well, yeah, you're gonna, gonna replace him with Tamoy and keep the faith of the Chelsea defence. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be putting money in the Chelsea defence without some hope of attacking returns. Um, so I think it's much more likely that it's tricky to do in my team, but I like that spot for maybe doubling up on the Liverpool fullbacks. I've got Trent, so maybe I can find some money somehow, somewhere in my team and upgrade a Alonso to a Robertson. Because I just think, yeah, for their nice fixtures after the Man City game, they're a pretty, pretty good combination. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my kind of preview of that game. I, I see maybe a 2-0 or something like that. I don't know if Palace are going to threaten that much more than the odd goal. Um, but I see a Chelsea win here, maybe 2-1 two, two or a 3-1, something like that. Um, Burnley-West Ham. This is one for you, Andy. Um, yeah, this is a, a fixture where both teams are, are coming off disappointing in results and conceding three goals. And uh, so you've got to kind of look at which out of Burnley and West Ham do you think will have the mental fortitude to... Uh, turn it around and you know get get really riled up for the next game i i dare say burnley might be better at that than west ham at turf more um so i think this is going to be a, a burnley win and i think that especially with um, the possibility of chris wood returning um this uh, probably is going to be i mean they they could they won't want to hold back at all if they do score early they won't sort of be happy with a one nil i don't think so um i would be looking at burnley attacking players for this game McNeil is pretty popular recently. I think he's probably a decent pick. And if Chris Wood does come back, I think he's a more reliable goal uh, point to get to than Ashley Barnes is. Um, so of the two, given that he's also point one cheaper, I'd be looking at him rather than Barnes, even uh, even though Barnes obviously thus far has more points because he's played more games. A lot, um, of a lot of people have Nick Pope in their team from the start of the season. I do. Um He's kind of a, been a bit of an FPL favourite. Do you think he's delivering this season? Do you think it's worth sticking with him? Or do you think there are better options at a similar price? Yeah, I'm not really a, a fan of, of Nick Pope as a FPL. I mean, I like him as a player. Nothing, nothing against the guy. Um, but as an FPL asset, he I don't think Burnley get that many clean sheets. I think their reputation is of a defensive side, which they aren't really anymore. Um, if you look at his... Uh, the number of points he's got, he's really only got more than two or three points three times so far this season. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure why he's <laughs> so popular. Who would you be looking at instead? I mean, I have um, Matt Ryan in goal and he's done very well for me. And my other goalkeeper is Tom Heaton, who hasn't done so well. Um, so those are the, the two that I actually picked when I was looking at this. Um, of those two, Ryan's been better. Heaton, I, let me just check fixtures. I think Heaton might have... Um, oh, he's got nasty, nasty fixtures at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say. He's yeah. got Wolves, Newcastle, Man U, Chelsea, but then a nice run after that. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess Matt Ryan would be the pet player I'd pick out. Fair enough. Nice one. Um, Matt, what do you reckon to Newcastle-Bournemouth? 
Um, well, that's a really intriguing game, though, isn't it? Because um, Newcastle had a great away victory at West Ham that um, Andy saw coming, but the rest of us didn't. Um, and so it, it's sort of time to sort of start scratching heads and looking at Newcastle to see if they have any FPL assets in their team. But looking at the scorers and assisters, it's I don't know, it's really, it's all spread out across the team. And I'd still say none of them particularly stand out personally to me. Um, Hayden's quite a good price, but um, I, I, I don't know yet if I'd be wanting to put him into my side um, or, or recommending for others to put into their side. But there's, they're certainly starting to become a slightly intriguing option, um, option because they've got some uh, some cheap players there. Whereas Bournemouth, they're like the, the team full of like classic FBL players and picks. And King scored a great goal uh, to sink Man U. Um, and so he seems like a good striking option. Wilson's certainly gone off the boil recently. Up his uh, at, at, that's uh, Callum Wilson up front, but he started the season so well. So I, I wouldn't be sure if he's not going to come back again sometime fairly soon. Um, I know that you you're still an owner, Duncan, of Callum Wilson. At the moment, I saved a transfer this week so I could uh, get him out and get Vardy in. Um, yeah, I, I need to. I needed two transfers to to move him on. Lost faith in the man. Yeah, totally lost faith almost as soon as I brought him in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he is a troll. He was on form. I brought him in. He completely trolled me. He's gone. Yeah. Maybe now is the time for other players to transfer him in then if you're about to get rid of him. Yeah, go for it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Um, Matt, on Newcastle, you're saying that you're kind of struggling to find um, FBL assets. I totally agree. Just one guy who's kind of piqued my interest recently is uh, Jetro Willems. He's got a cool name. He's got a cool price at 4.5. He's picked up uh, two assists, I think, and a goal already. Um, He, I mean, 4.5, it's not bad, is it? Yeah, he's, uh, I remember seeing him play against United and he seems quite, quite attacking um, and likes a good dribble. Uh, It's it's a tempter, it's a tempter. It's one of those where I think, like the rest of the Newcastle assets, like you just, and maybe maybe FPL managers have just haven't done their research on them yet. It's hard to work out who their key men week in week out are going to be for Newcastle, and who's the ones who are probably most consistently going to return. Because at the moment, you feel that the points are getting spread around a little bit, and you're just not quite sure week to week if if you if you have a Newcastle asset, is that the one that's going to be um, the one that's really reliable and, and really good? The player I'm watching from Newcastle, he hasn't done anything yet. But in terms of, you know, when someone catches your eye and you think if, if it just clicks for that guy, then uh, he's going to be a point getter. Is um, Alan St. Maxima really reminds me of what Sadio Mane used to look like when he was at Southampton. Um, like he's, he's, Mane always was unreliable, but he'd sort of pop up with a hat trick and then go quiet for a while and then another hat trick and then go quiet for a while. I feel like St. Maxima has that kind of potential in him. Um, we've just sort of only seen the quiet period so far because Newcastle haven't been on very good form. Um, but he's, I'm, I'm watching out for him because I feel like if he scores one, he might go on a run. That is some very good scouting, Andy. I, mean, I, I haven't even heard of the bloke, to be honest. So. <laughs> Maybe I'm not the best one to be previewing this particular match. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing, Matt, I think we've got to shout out the Bournemouth defence. Three, def- uh, three clean sheets in three and Newcastle away. It's not a bad fixture for them defensively, is it? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I was um, preparing the, for my gut punts. I was looking at the, new, uh, the Bournemouth defence, and unfortunately, um, a lot of them are above the 5% threshold because 
they're actually really good value assets at the moment. Um, Rico being the standout one because he's, um, what is he now at the moment? He was 4 million. He's up to 4.3 these days, but they've been returning points every week for the last three game weeks. And Newcastle is not not a game you could inconceivably, uh, they could get another clean sheet there. I would say, you know, on the Rico thing, I've definitely been thinking of him as my enabler to bring in Vardy. But just looking at their team now, he's on 4.3 because his value's gone up. But um, Adam Smith is also on 4.3. He's got less ownership and he's got a history of playing, you know, in the first team. He's also quite an attacking player. He's picked up an assist already in a few games he's played the system this season. And I think he is their first choice right back. Whereas Rico, there's still a question mark. You know, they brought in Kelly, Lloyd Kelly over the summer, who I think plays in a similar position. There's Daniels, if he comes back from injury later in the season as well. Um, and there's also the opportunity for Adam Smith to play out of position on the left back. I just see him as more nailed and a, a rival to Rico, maybe. Um, yeah, potentially. I think it's a, probably a little premature to say he's better than Rico just yet. Because he got, he got the assist against United. Um, but I think um, uh, King did a bit to get that goal. So it wasn't like laid on a plate from Adam Smith. <laughs> yes, <definitely true. laughs> um, so that's his only assist of the, of, of the uh, season so far. Whereas Rico, I think, is on some set pieces, taking callers quite regularly. So you could see that if there was going to be a mat- the next few matches, I think it's still more likely that Rico's picking up assists and bonus points at the moment. The other thing I would say about Rico is that the um, the strength in Bournemouth's defence has coincided with him getting a first-team run. And so I think that um, it's uh, if, if, if you're sort of looking at... Imagine yourself in Eddie Howe's shoes. You're like, OK, well, I've got this defence that is doing really, really well right now. And it's got Rico at left-back. Why You wouldn't upset that unless you had to. Yeah, fair enough. Matt, how do you see this game going? Uh, I... Honestly, I, I couldn't really pick it very easily. I, I would say maybe on balance it will be a draw, simply because both sides are on quite a good run of form. Both will probably get... If, if either side goes down uh, behind at the moment, I think that that side won't lose too much confidence and so therefore could come back again. Fair enough. OK. Um, next up, it's Southampton versus Everton. Uh, this is one for me. Um, this is a tough one. I've I've struggled to to predict how this is going to go, really. I think Southampton had a really good reaction um, to their 9-0 loss when they played City uh, away. You know, they were holding the league, uh, the lead in that game for quite a long time, clearly trying to kind of show the fans that they care. Um, and I hope that they can carry that kind of commitment and running and hard work into this Everton fixture. But I think it maybe evens this game out slightly um Southampton have struggled in front of their home fans um but I think Everton aren't in a brilliant place at the moment you know Silver's under a bit of pressure I would say he's switching formations he's changing players um you know, Coleman's been dropped now uh, he's brought in Sidibe he's trying Richarlison up front it's kind of slightly different things each week and now they've had the big injury to to Gomez as well who's a, quite a key player for them in midfield um, so creatively, um, I think they're going to possibly struggle a bit more than usual, um, especially without um, Sigurdsson playing at the moment as well. So, yeah, I see this as a fairly even game. Um, not too excited from an FBL uh, point of view. Um, I know Dinia picked up a, a 
an assist this week for Tosin in that last gasp, 97-minute um, equaliser. So if if people have held on to Dina up to this point, he's still proving that he's got that attacking threat. But or, or team sheets. Or Tosin, if they've held on to Tosin all this long. Um, yeah, but I, do, I just don't see either team having FPL assets that I'd want to look at at the moment, really. You guys can disagree with me or we can move on. I'm just surprised you haven't mentioned Richarlison as an asset. Just uh... <laughs> I do like talking about him, don't I? Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you for that, Matt. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, they don't get bonus points for diving, so I don't think it's worth having much. Uh, Andy, what do you reckon to Tottenham, Sheffield United? Um, I think Spurs are in a really bad, bad spot right now. Um, if you sort of reaction to um, Andre Gomez's injury, it seems like that really like spooked some of the Spurs players. Um, aside from Son being sent off, Ore also had to be subbed off because they're both quite shaken by it. Um, so they've got they're dealing with a number of, of top players that are either injured or out of form. Harry Kane didn't play today because of illness. Um, yeah, a lot a lot of difficult things going on at Spurs right now. Sheffield United conversely are on an absolutely wonderful run of form and it's just won three 0 So. I think this is going to be a really tough one for Spurs. Um, I think it might might be one for um, for Sheffield United assets rather than Spurs ones, which you'd never have predicted saying at the start of the season. Um, I don't know what to say about John Lundstrom. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to say, yeah, but Minx is going to get 21 points again, but who knows? Anything can happen with this guy. Uh, do, you, do you think we need to play him every week? In every fixture, you know, apart from the Man City and Liverpool away fixtures, do you think he's just a a player playing out of position in quite an attacking role, and you know he could pick up a goal or assist in any game, and he's just worth playing? I mean, maybe, you know, what? I, I just don't know anymore. I I feel like he's turned my world upside down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very emotional right now. They uh they they have a pretty tough next three fixtures in theory, but they're all against teams that you wouldn't expect to do well against them because you've got Tottenham, Man U, both out of form, Wolves who tend to underperform against the uh, the the less I don't know well known sides to raise their game for the the big six. So I'm not sure Wolves would particularly pick out this game as one to perform in, and then they've got to see a green. So. Maybe, maybe he's. A, I think he probably is a first team player. But for anybody who like um, is looking to choose between which of their low priced assets to play in the next few games, I think go for Lundstrom. You know, anything could happen after this week. For, for my uh, part, I think having just his amazing score this week, he is miles ahead of every, all other defenders in point scoring this season. So I think his low price and the fact that most people put him in originally to be bench fodder is distracting people now when they're considering benching him for any, any fixture. He's, he's up there with Trent Alexander-Arnold at the moment as just like the first name on the team sheet for me. He is the sixth highest scoring player in the game. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> from a 4.0 uh, rotation risk player at the start of the season, that's pretty wild. And, and it's not just him, is it? It's, it's that, you know, there's the opportunity maybe of doubling up on that defence. Is that something you consider? Because they've picked up six clean sheets already. Um, is there, are there other defenders you'd be looking at maybe? Yeah, I mean, because of the, the way that they play with their uh, attacking centre-backs and wing-backs, all of which are classed as defenders, um, and the fact that they have a really good defensive record, they, they sort of have a, 
a strange um, setup that is sort of breaking the the algorithm of <laughs> fantasy Premier League. So you've got um, it, their, their defense has their defenders rather on the game. You've got Lundstrom, Stevens, O'Connell, Baldock, Egan, and Basham. That's six players all on over forty points right now. That's a lot for uh, and, and all of them are the, the most expensive one is Ender Stevens at five point one million. So if you look at the likes of O'Connell, Baldock, Egan, Basham, like these are all players who pretty attractive right now at sort of four and a half million. Um, Jaggy Elka, everyone assumed was going to be a first-team player for them, isn't getting a look-in. So, yeah, I think and there there is a lot to like there. And if you're looking for, particularly if somebody, let's say Rico does get dropped and you're looking for a replacement, sure, why not? Um, maybe people who are looking for a, a, a Nick Pope replacement might, look, might want to look at Henderson because, again, he's getting the clean sheet points too. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm guessing Tottenham, there's not a lot to like. No, a lot of overpriced players. Um, Deli Ali got a goal this week, but it was a really bad mistake by Iwobi that opened the defence up for him. Um, I'm not really sure there's a lot. To, I haven't seen a lot in that Tottenham performance that suggests they're about to turn around a bad run of form. Um, I think this uh, sort of mid-table Spurs side is here to stay for a while and they're priced at Champions League uh, values. So I, I don't think there's really much value in there at the moment. Okay. Um, Matt, the next one's for you and it's Leicester versus Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, Leicester are just such nice assets at the moment. They are... Uh, just, the entire squad looks brilliantly priced. Uh, all, all sort of scoring points and um, sometimes hatfuls of them as well. So I think um, at the moment, Vardy's getting close to being like an essential pick, given his form. Madison's looking like a great pick. Uh, and then other players like Barnes and Perez seem to be chipping every so often. I've looked through massive hauls. Tillemans is ticking over. Chilwell and Pereira seem like, uh, if you're going to spend some money at the back, like quite good options to go for. Um, they're just full of FPL assets at the moment and maybe slightly clouding my judgment um, is just the, the the fact that they're, they're Arsenal in theory is like a really difficult game for them. But at the moment, I'd be still backing Leicester assets quite quite heavily. Do you think Vardy's a captaincy option for this week? Um, I think... I think maybe. It's, it's one of those... It, I'm still hesitant a little bit because he, he's even when he scores, he usually just gets the six points. Um, right. Sorry, I just have to just leave you a second. Uh, just... I'll, uh, I'll pick up here, shall I? Because um, I, I think Vardy is a captaincy option for this one. I think that um, Arsenal, I think are, they, their results have been worse than their play has been. So uh, it's all the sort of doom and gloom around them, particularly with Granit Xhaka's um, incident last week. I, I think that uh, people are underrating Arsenal right now, but they are not underrate, underrating their defence, which is woeful. So I think uh, Leicester, it, this, this, this could be five all this game, and then Leicester attacking assets would be good. You want Jamie Vardy in a game like that. So yeah, I think he is probably a captaincy option. I think he definitely has has the bit between his teeth when he plays against Arsenal. He seems to enjoy tormenting us. Um, so yeah, I... Yeah, I think he's definitely a, a vice-captain, if not a captaincy option this week. And I think that's part of the reason I'm bringing him in this week, because I think it's quite a plum fixture for him. Um, you say you say Arsenal are, are maybe underestimated. 
who would you say is underestimated FBL wise in their in their team? Well, the, the the player I'm really looking out for is uh, Lacazette, because what I learned from my being trolled by Aubameyang last season is um, when Lacazette's in the side, Aubameyang passes to him a lot instead of shooting, and that causes him to lose points and about and Lacazette to get a lot of them. So, I think he's a really interesting. Uh, he's on my watch list. He's an interesting one to look at right now. Um, obviously, Aubameyang will always score points. He's one of the best strikers in the league. Um, behind that, it's it's really hard to tell because you never know who Emery's going to pick on, a, on from week to week. Matt's gone for Pepe and then didn't play a minute this week, so who knows? Um, and I wouldn't pick any defenders. So really, it's only those two that I would look at as FPL assets. But as a team, I don't think they're as bad as the, the newspapers are telling you at the moment. That's really my point there. Okay. Um, let's move on and have a look at Man United versus Brighton. Maybe you can help me out from the Man side, Man Man United side on this, Andy. From the Brighton side of things, um, a couple of stats on them. So they've scored three goals on three occasions uh, this season already, and that's a massive change from where they were last season under Hutton, where they were primarily a defensive team. I think they scored something like 35 goals in 38 games, so less than a goal a game, which is pretty damning. Um, and a complete change of style under Potter, you know, uh, different formation. And it's crazy to see, you know, the same players that Hewton had playing this attacking, uh, exciting football. You know, um, yeah, so th- they are a transferred team, which has made them a bit, unpredictable at the start of the season but I think you can definitely expect them to attack um, and to cause a threat I think Trossard is an interesting one to pick out because he's come back into this team and has straight away picked up where he left up uh, getting the goal and looking very dangerous Um, I think he might have even picked up the assist as well at the end of the game Um, so he's coming back into contention don't think this is a fixture to bring him in for yet but i think he's he's one to keep an eye on when the fixtures turn um after this kind of nasty little run for them um in terms of defensively they've conceded eight goals in the last four away games so yeah it's it's a, a kind of middling stat for a, a middle of the the league kind of team uh brighton where they are at the moment which is a lot better than they were um and when you put that up against the Manchester United defence, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a hatful of goals or that this is a great fixture for Man U at home uh, against a smaller team. I think chances will be limited. The Man U attack's not completely clicking at the moment. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is one where I'd be looking at captaincies or transferring in players for Man United. Do you think that's fair, Andy? Um, yeah, I mean, Man U are a massive risk at the moment, aren't they? So I'd, I'd agree with that. The one thing that's interesting about Man U is uh, I, uh, I read on Football 365 this week that they have not yet repeated a result in the league of any kind the following week. They've neither lost two in a row, drawn two in a row, or won two in a row. Okay, so, so if it's going to be one thing they're not going to lose. You'd expect them not to lose. Um, I think at home, this is probably one that Man U are going to win, which is an interesting one. The way I kind of perceive this game is that Brighton have been a bit of a, um, a bogey team for us in the past, but it's it's their best player against us has been Anthony Knockhart, who isn't in the squad anymore. And you were saying that it's a lot of the same players that um, 
that are in the squad this season, but he's not using the same players from that squad, I don't think, as Chris Hewton said. You've seen, you've seen players like um, Byrne come in, you've seen the strike forces now, Connolly and Mope, who's obviously a new signing. Um, I think a lot of the way that they play is based around the movement of Mope. Um, and now I, I, I don't I don't think this is a very favourable game for Brighton. I think the way they play is quite conducive to Man U scoring against them. So, um, like, also the other thing, going back across to the Man U side, is that um, we tend to perform very badly against the sort of the low block teams that just sit back and uh, and, and hold their line, um, which I don't think is Brighton's way of playing. I don't think they're, they're very good at that anymore. So, they go sort of play pro- quite progressively, which is going to open them up and create space for the uh, the Man U attacking player. So I think Man U are going to win this one. Um, I'm going to I'm going to hold on to Martial for this one because as a centre forward, I think he's probably going to score a goal. Um, not by miles, in the middle, not very good, so it won't be a, a thrashing, but I think Man U are going to win. Okay, fair enough. Sticking with Martial, I think that's fair enough. Um, do you reckon to Wolves versus Villa? Bit of a local derby. Is a local derby, yeah, which I think is probably a reason to fancy Wolves for this one. Um, Villa are a team that seem they look a lot better than anyone expected them to be, I think, this season. They're not bad. Um, and I think they're going to comfortably survive relegation. Um, but Wolves, I think, have a habit of raising their game for the quote-unquote big games. And although Villa aren't a big team, it's the, because it's a local derby, I think they'll raise their game again. So I expect Wolves will win this one. I think it will be 1-0, 2-0, something like that. Not a very interesting game. Um, but, yeah, a, a Wolves win. So, Wolves defenders, I think, are probably the assets to look out for in this game. I'm surprised you're you're backing the Wolves' defence, Andy. Um, I want to pick you up on that because they've had a lot of injuries at the back. Um, you know, Bolly's gone out with the injury, Bennett's out, and it's pretty much uh, Connor Cody who's been the mainstay and is kind of holding things together, together for Wolves at the moment. You know, uh, Dendonka was playing out position in defence this week. Uh, Saiz came in, who hasn't, you know, sometimes plays in midfield, doesn't play that often, came in. Doherty was playing there last week and was moved to a different position this week. So I think it's a bit all over the place for the Wolves' defence at the moment. Um, It's not showing too much in their results, but I don't know if I'd be investing there myself. I think I'd be more interested in, in Jimenez, who's kind of proved people right, who invested in him recently. Um, you know, returns of 10, 7, 2 and 9, pretty good for the, the value that he dropped to. He's now at 7.2, so he's he's definitely an option considering. Um, do you think that's fair? Um, him and this is a, is, is a good point, actually. I think he's uh, likely to be the one that is uh, the biggest threat for, for Villa. And he's another one who I think one of the big difference makers in terms of being up for the big games is that he seems to really relish scoring against his, uh, the, the better teams. So I think Jimenez is a good shout. I don't think it's a bad idea to look at the um, defenders though, because I think that the, the strong defence they have is really more based around the system. And I wouldn't say like Bennett and Cody and Bolly are like world-class defenders, but the system protects them very well and they, they, they all know their role in it. So I don't think you necessarily lose defensive solidity by by moving the players around in, in, in Wolves' team. And that's why you haven't seen them get thrashed, even though um, they have uh, been missing some of their key players. So I think probably I agree with you on Jimenez, but I, I'm standing by um, that the defenders are a, a good shout. The the thing is for Wolves, 
and this might kind of prove you right, is they are top of the, the season ticket on Fancy Football Scout at the moment uh, for the next five fixtures. You know, they've got this Aston Villa game, which is a prime fixture, Bournemouth away, um, and then Sheffield United at home, West Ham at home. So it's three home games in the next four, which are not bad fixtures at all. So defensively, yeah, you might be right. Um, it's just pretty much the only one you can go for is is Cody, which seems a bit of a dull pick. But if you're going for the clean sheets, then fair enough. The thing that I was picking out with this fixture is that Villa um, are kind of really do- low down in the league for the amount of chances conceded at the moment. So despite looking all right on the pitch, they're actually conceding a huge amount of shots. Um, so that's why I think Jimenez or potentially Jota, although he hasn't had any form whatsoever this season, um, is maybe, you know, their attacking options might be better just for this fixture. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's possibly true. The other thing with um, with Villa is part of the reason why they have that negative stat is they're also, I think, highest for um, errors leading. They just make a lot of mistakes that lets the other team in. It's not that they sort of are badly set up through a normal play is that they just keep like gifting chances to the opposition. So um, yeah, you, I think I'm going to, I'm going to definitely agree with you that um, attacking assets for Wolves are worth looking out for in this game. Okay. Nice one. I think we've got Matt returning from, from being a super dad. Uh, are you back, Matt? I am. Um... Is it, is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. I won't go into the, the gory details of what, what babies are capable of in a such a short period of time, but um, needless to say that I'm really glad that Mummy's uh, on the case. What, <laughs> what do you reckon to Liverpool Man City? Um, well, I mean that's the big one of the weekend, isn't it? Uh, so it, it'd be a fascinating game to watch just from a footballing perspective. Um, as for SPL assets, I mean you, you keep them um, just at Sterling, De Bruyne, Salah, Mane. They'll and maybe Trent, they all, they all keep scoring points. And I think in, in this game gone by, uh, the big assets have sort of stepped up to the plate quite often and, and, and got like crucial goals and assists. So I think they're all um, good options. Maybe even captain the options potentially, because just because they're just big, two big teams facing each other doesn't mean they're not going to score goals. Uh, so it's a fascinating game from the FPL perspective um, and a fascinating game from the, from the league perspective too. You say potential captaincy options. Who would you be picking out? Um, well, Sterling didn't really do it for me uh, this week because he was my captain in my team this week. But Yeah, thanks, Duncan, for that recommendation last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wouldn't necessarily write him off being a, a good captain option because he's such a, a big essential pick and so key to what Man City do. Uh, likewise, De Bruyne will be playing because they'll be going full guns blazing. So... Again, he, he might be a good one. And on the Liverpool side as well, Salamane, if you've got them in your side, then I still think you should be considering them. Um, Anfield at home, big game. Um, they'll be well up for it. And at least one of them is going to chip in of a goal or two, I reckon. What From those, reckon, Andy? I, I would say um, out of Salah and Mane, Mane is the one that tends to raise his game for the big occasions and Salah is the more consistent player that gets goals against the smaller sides, generally speaking. So picking from Liverpool, I would probably pick Mane as the captain option. On the City side, 
Um, Sterling doesn't have a great record returning to Liverpool. He gets a pretty bad reception from the crowd, and he's although he's um, the last couple of games has done a bit better. He's going going back a bit further. He's had a uh, a rough time there. Um, De Bruyne's the one that tends to decide the big games for them. So I would say De Bruyne and Mane are the two from that game that I would pick out. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, potential captaincies there. If you don't see uh, another option like a, a Vardy or an Abraham out there, um, one of those guys is yeah a viable option. What about our whipping boys this week? Who are you guys going to go for for whipping boys? Oof. A lot of even games this week, aren't there? Yeah, it's a difficult it's not, one. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's a, a massive candidate. I mean, Chelsea got on the face of it the easiest team, uh, the easiest game out of the big teams that are playing well at the moment. But Spurs getting tonked by Sheffield United could happen. <laughs> what about Bournemouth? You know, three clean sheets and three playing against a Newcastle team that uh, hadn't scored a huge amount of goals until this game week. Mm. I don't think it's going to be high scoring that game. I think, yeah, both your Sheffield United and Bournemouth picks are pretty maverick to say that they're going to be the, <laughs> <laughs> the ones give it, handing out a tonking, given that I'm not even sure if they're going to win the games they're playing in. Yeah. I think Chelsea's probably the, um, the, the best candidate, but I, I think, given how much debate we've had, that it's not a strong one. It's just not the game. I think we might want to say that there are going to be no whipping boys this week. Ooh, OK, so maybe that's the pick. The pick is no whipping, boys. I like that. It's going to be a tough week for FPL, isn't it? Um, hopefully we're wrong. Uh, what about clean sheets? Matt, who's your first clean sheet? Um, I'm, again, struggling from, from the starting block uh, on this one. Uh, I will go for Chelsea at home to Palace. I don't, I don't believe it fully, but... I think that's a good chance. What about you, Andy? Uh, stick with my guns and say Wolves are home to Villa. Yeah, that's, I mean, in a fixed, a week where there's not a lot to choose from, that's not a bad one. I'm going to go for Sheffield United uh, away to the Spurs. I think Sheffield looked pretty tight recently, so hopefully they can pick up something. Back to you, Matt. Um, I think Either of Norwich or Watford, uh, good good candidates get a clean sheet. So I go Norwich the home side. Okay, Andy, it's a good one actually. The way I was looking at it on my screen, I didn't have Norwich and Watford were off the top of the screen, so I wasn't looking at that fixture. I think that's a decent pick. Uh, maybe 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 go for nil nil in that game. Okay, yeah, I think that's probably it for me as well. Uh, unless you guys have got any more. No, I'm not even sure about the one that we've already picked. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing for me. Okay, let's let's take a break and, and when we come back, we can have a look at the podcast league and our joint team and see how we're getting on. I will love it if we Okay, we're back. Let's have a look at our 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 podcast league and see how you guys are doing. Um, so we're checking on livefpl.net um, because uh, people's auto subs and their bonus points haven't quite come in yet. And I can tell you that Kevin Miles is still at the top 
with a healthy score. He's kind of returned to form now. A score of 70 points this week, so uh, keeping his lead at the top. Uh, followed by Afolabi Solomon in second place, um, Steve Levan in third, and Adam Burke fourth. And I'll just do the top five, and Fergal Harmon in fifth. Um, yeah, but the player that we want to pick out this week for special mention is Nolan War uh, with his team Black and White Rovers uh, with a massive score of 92 points this week. Um, guys, have a look at his team. Uh, 92, so he's obviously got Lundstrom in there and Soyuncu at the back, but he's 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 got all the all the players you want. He's got Dunk with his clean sheet, Mane with his goal and assist, uh, McGinn, Abraham, Vardy, Abamyang. So pretty pretty big up front, but still, I, I mean, I, you look at his team, you think, how has he done this? Uh, big up front with three big strikers. He still has Lundstrom. Well, not that you need the money for him, but he still has De Bruyne and Mane in midfield. I guess he doesn't have Trent, and that's maybe, or Robertson or anything like that. And that's where he's saving it. Really budget and defence, but the budget defence delivered this week, didn't it? Yeah, it's outstanding um, team. It just seems to have really worked this week. He must be uh, pretty pleased himself. Yeah, and it's hi- highlighting the error possibly in us getting rid of McGinn in our joint team. Mm. I think our joint team uh, is... has many more. <laughs> yeah, we've made quite a few blunders. <laughs> many more errors than just that one. Um, if you want to take us on, if you want to try and knock Kevin Miles off the top spot, he's been there for a long time now, um, then you can find the league code on our Twitter, which is at FPLFFFanatics. Uh, and you can also get in touch with us through there as well. Um should we have a look at the, the Hive Mind team? How did we get on, guys, this week? Mm, not brilliantly. Um, no Lundstrom is our major issue in the in the Hive Mind team. So, I mean, 58 points doesn't sound like a bad score, but it's a really high-scoring week, so it's not actually a very good score, 58 this week. Um, there is a... Uh, I think we've got two... Our defence is our major issue. I think we've got Otamendi sitting there. We've got Diop sitting there on zero this week. Um, Rico on the bench. That was obviously an error of having Diop in rather than Rico. Um, our midfield and attack hasn't done a well. Our midfield had Mane in it, but the rest of the midfield didn't deliver much this week. I don't think that's a long term trend. I think it's just this week De Bruyne, Sterling, and Tielemans didn't do anything. Um, although Camwell on the bench obviously is out of form. And then Vardy and Abraham up front is a, a reliable, like you, you could, that's what everyone has, right? You've got to have Vardy and Abraham. So um, I think. In terms of what we want to do this week, we've got to look at um, Otamendi and Diop. Probably Otamendi's more urgent out of those. Would you guys agree? Yeah, Otamendi's just not getting the minutes anymore, is he? And Well, in an annoying way, he's getting those few minutes, which means he has a one-pointer and plot, blocks someone coming off the bench for you. So, And he's he's bigger budget than Diop, so you can get more for your money if we get rid of him. And also, Diop is playing Burnley away, which defensively is maybe not the worst fixture in the world. Yeah, um, I strongly agree. I, I recommend Otamendi to Lundstrom. We're going to have to get him into our hive mind team sooner or later. That was exactly what I was going to suggest to Otamendi for Lundstrom. Like, we can't not have Lundstrom. He's a, clearly the standout player of this year. And he's still, still dirt cheap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Shall I make that transfer? Yeah, I think it's a transfer that has to be made this week because Gary will be on in a future week and he'll probably try and block us <laughs> with his anti-Sheffield United bias. Excellent point. Confirmed transfers. Done. Okay, what about captaincy and, and how are we going to set up for this week as well? Well, obviously we've got to bring in Lundstrom. Um, possibly, here's an interesting question. Alexander-Arnold is playing Man City. Siyunshu is playing Arsenal. Lundstrom is playing Tottenham. So they've all got like big teams that they're playing against. Of those three, I would say Lundstrom is the most likely to get points. Well, get a clean sheet, rather, I should say. Basically, we've got five players, haven't we, um, that we need to drop down to four. We've got Trent, uh, Soyuncu, uh, Arsenal, and Diop, Burnley away. Rico, Newcastle away. Um, and yeah, Lund- Lundstrom, Tottenham away. So which one of them do we drop? What do you think, Matt? I think it's between Rico and Diop. And I would, I would favour Rico um, because he's the man on, man on form over Diop. Yeah, I, I think, I don't think Burnley, I think Burnley are going to beat West Ham. And so, and I think that generally West Ham assets are not worth having. So I would say Lundstrom for Diop to make us a, give us a back four of Alexander-Arnold, Rico, Siyuncu and Lundstrom. And Diop first on the bench, because apart from that on our bench, it's Greenwood and Cantwell for their one-pointers. Yeah, that's a weak bench, isn't it? So I would agree with that. What about captaincy? It's a tough one. I, I would put my hand and say uh, Abraham would be my pick for captaincy. I think we got it wrong. I, would... I think we got it wrong one week when he just got a two points, but he's uh, he's done so well this season. I think that was a bit of an oddity, and we're just a bit unlucky. I would say Vardy for captaincy for me. I think the Arsenal defence is more suspect than the Crystal Palace defence. I think <laughs> Ars- Arsenal will play more expansive football away to Leicester, which is a bad idea. Whereas Crystal Palace will just try and hold out, you know, uh, two banks of four. Um, maybe even a bank of five and a bank of four with IU running around like a maniac up front on his own. So I think I'd have more faith, faith in the Palace defence than I would the Arsenal. I'm happy to be outvoted uh, by you, Andy, but I just want to, because I can retain the I told you so moment if Abraham then gets a, a massive score. Honestly, I think they're both good picks. Um, so I think probably whichever one we pick as the captain, the other one should be the vice captain. Um I plan to have Vardy as my captain, so I'm going to say Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> we wonder why our hive mind team's doing so badly. <laughs> I genuinely, in my picks for the hive mind team this year, I've brought in players that I haven't been brave enough to bring into my own team. Yeah, that's the problem when you play. I think it's been spoken about before, but when players play the Sky game and the FPL game, often you get in a player on one. Uh, one game like the Sky game that you wouldn't bring into your FPL team. So whatever happens, you get points somehow. Um, are you sure about that, Andy? Um, well, what I, like either I go for the same one and make. I, I guess we're kind of uh, splitting the, the 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 risk here, aren't we? By well, I think I am by doing that. I think probably uh, if I thought that Abraham was the better pick, I would probably pick Abraham for my own team but i'm really not sure i think they're both really good picks so um i'm gonna have one for in each camp okay abraham is our captain vardy vice captain and our transfer is lundstrom in for otamendi pretty good 
All right. So uh, is it got punts time now, I think. Um, and on the monthly, I'd like to put my brief defence of Scott McTominay. Uh, he, he might not have got much just yet, but I think he's a, a bit of a midfield dynamo. So and some easy, easy fixtures coming up. So still still a bit to come from him, but uh, a solid two points, which for me and my gut punts is uh, surprisingly good, actually. Uh, and then, uh, Dunk, you had Perez, three points from the monthly. That's, uh, that's the strongest out of all five of us. It's pretty pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the most important thing is that I'm winning. That's all I care about. So, yeah, three points, uh, and we go again. Yeah. And then Ben got Connolly too, matching my good self. Um, and then Andy's uh, Hudson Adoy has both uh, been the scourge of his own team, but also the scourge of his monthly picks. So that one point uh, really cost him with the Lundstrom uh, this week, but also uh, puts him at a bad start for the month. And then finally, Gary had McNeil uh, with one point as well. So he'll be hoping for more this week uh, with, a, with their home game against West Ham, but not a strong start uh, for any what of our. Uh monthly picks really there what about our weekly gut punts well i'm glad you asked me about the weekly gut punts actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh the, the the top of the pile was uh my, my good self uh with trossard uh doing sterling work getting a goal and assist uh and then two bonus points so that's 11 points uh so that was uh, uh I, I i needed that to be honest i needed that it's been a, a a pretty rocky start for me in the gut punts and so uh Pleased that he, he's he's come in. Um, been able to use a bit of data on that one. Uh, and then, who who did you have again, Dunk? Uh, <laughs> it's a very good question. I can't remember who I had. I don't think they did very well, I can tell you that. Oh, Mendy. I had Benjamin Mendy. I went for his clean sheet banker and he didn't even start, didn't play a minute. So I got zero. Oh, yeah. Pretty disappointing. Uh, yeah. And Gundogan for uh, Andy. I seem to recall, uh, who picked, picked up a, a, a yellow card as well as uh, not, not getting any, any attacking returns. Um, uh, ben went for double Connolly, uh, so he's got double mediocre with two points. Um, and I have to admit, I forgot which one Gary went for, uh, unless you can... Oh, Cresswell. Cresswell, Cresswell, of course, yeah. Zero, zero points for Cresswell as well. Yeah, we've... So pretty, pretty terrible apart from you. Claret, and I think... Claret picks for, for Gary and it hasn't really come off for him. I think basically what this section is showing is that now we're getting into this, the kind of stage of the season where there's enough data to look back on. You're slowly starting to pull things back from the bottom of our gut punts league because... You're clearly not a maverick. You're a man who relies on his data and it's slowly starting to work for you. Um, I, I, I'd love it if that is the case. Uh, the, the alternative that I don't like to contemplate is that I just got lucky with one single pick this week. <laughs> being my only good pick for the entire season. I like that narrative. That's a good one. What, what about the week coming up? Um, so for the week coming up, um, I'll tell you who's picked so far. So uh, Ben has gone for Diego Jota up front, um, which I think is a pretty solid pick. Um, Wolves, I think we, we all fancy to uh, maybe get a result against Aston Villa. Um, so that's not a bad one. Um, Gary's gone Adama Traore. So he's also targeting that same fixture, um, but with even more Maverick type pick. Um, Adama having scored two goals, I think, for Wolves ever, actually. Uh, but they did come on one, one single game, glorious game against Man City. So maybe this is the season he, uh, he really turns it on. Um, 
Dunk, I see that you were thinking about Jota, but who, who have you gone for? I've actually gone for someone that Andy was shouting out earlier in the previews um, for the Newcastle um, versus Bournemouth fixture because Newcastle finally scored some goals. The first time they've scored more than one goal in the fixture. They got three this week. And someone who stood out, despite not getting any returns, was Alan Sant-Maximan, um, who just looks like a, a really uh, fun, exciting, attacking player. Um, you know, dribbling, um, going past people, shooting quite a lot. Um, and he's got crazy hair as well, which is cool. <laughs> um, he's a big differential. It's a Newcastle attacker um, and he looks like fun. So he's my gut. Attracted punch. to the crazy hair. <laughs> yeah. That was always the way that yeah, youth players used to try and get themselves picked. They'd uh, get a really shit hair, hairdo because uh, then they'd stand out on the field and everyone noticed them. And if you want to, wanted to move to Barcelona at a certain point, you know, probably about six or seven seasons ago, like Alex Song, you dye your hair, bleach it blonde, and then you can be seen easily on the pitch. <laughs> Irresistible with bad hair. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I, I've ummed an odd on this one because it's been one of those odd game weeks where you can't see like a clear team that's going to um, roller coaster away. Um, so I'm going to back Sheffield United's good runner form. Um, and I would love to annoy Gary uh, with a, another Sheffield United result and Ender Stevens either getting me a clean sheet or maybe an attacking return with his uh, uh, gung ho go forward uh, wing back role. I think he's a, he's a nice pick. I, I think outside of Lundstrom, he, to me, looks like the next most attacking um, listed as a defender on the Sheffield United one. So, yeah, I like that pick. Yeah, yeah he's not on the same league as Lundstrom, the uh, the box-to-box midfielder. But, um, yeah, certainly out of the defensive assets, he, he, coming into the season, he was the highest-priced one. And that's because he got so many goals and assists last season. So I think hopefully he can uh, translate that into some goals and assists for, for me next week. Nice one. Is that it for gut punts? Uh, that's it for gut punts, yeah. Okay. Um, if you don't uh, follow us on Twitter already, uh, give us a follow at FPL FF Fanatics, and you can also get in touch with us through there. Um, it'd be great to hear from you guys. Um, so apart from that, it just leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Matt. Thank you. And I'll go and check that my baby is now okay. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the Pumageddon isn't as bad. Uh, as expected Um, and thank you guys for listening and, and we'll speak to you next week